Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. Why don't you leave her alone, Jimmy? Oh, you zip it, Doris. Rogers Hornsby was my manager, and he called me a talking pile of pig And that was when my parents drove all the way down from Michigan to see me play the game. And did I cry? No, no. No! No! And you know why? No. Because there's no crying in baseball. There's no crying in baseball! No crying! I mean, how do you not include that? I was debating on to whether or not I included that part in the scene where he talks about what his manager, Roger Hornsby, said to him. But you got to keep it in. It's like one of the funniest parts of that entire scene. All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Friday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I'm your host, as always, Tyler Crawley. And while there is crying in baseball, much to the chagrin of Tom Hanks, there is also apparently crying in the process of home buying and a lot of it. There's apparently a lot of crying that is happening right now as we see the market start to kind of calm down. Uh, this Articles like this will be fun to look back on in a couple of years when um, we're not facing the insanity that we're facing right now. And we'll, we'll kind of laugh at it. But right now, it's not a laughing matter. In fact, it's a crying matter, like I said. So this is a survey from Zillow, and they found that 50% of home buyers said that the home buying process left them in tears. And like, that just, (laughs) people want to laugh at that. I want to laugh at it, but you got to feel bad. I mean, that's how stressful the situation is. And of course, of course, you got to blame the younger generations. Younger generations are apparently having the worst time. 65% of Gen Z buyers cried at least once during the home buying process, and millennials weren't far behind at 61%. I have to wonder if the numbers aren't higher for other generations. Maybe like younger generations are less embarrassed by the fact that they cried during the home buying process. So they were okay with admitting it, and they're actually, you know, Older generations are crying, but they're just not telling a pollster that it's happening. But Zillow did note that 90% of recent buyers surveyed said at least one aspect of the home buying process was stressful. And I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Buying a home can be very stressful, especially with a very hot housing market, multiple offers. You want to win that home. And then, of course, you're working with your mortgage banker or broker, and you're hoping that you're going to be able to close on time. And they're coordinating with the attorney, and no one has dates, and no one, you know, you think it's going to close this day, then it moves, and then it comes back. And it's, it's, I can understand. As someone who witnessed it from at least one side of that process. And that is also why having a good loan officer 
is so important because <laughs> that's one thing you don't want to have to worry about because you got the realtor who's trying to get you and get your offer accepted and then it gets accepted and they're working out the deals and you're trying to figure out what's going to be included in the contract and what you're willing to let go or whatever it may be. And then of course they're trying to find a date that's going to work for the attorney's office. The last thing you want is all of a sudden your loan's not going to close. So that's one thing that you want to avoid. And yeah, that's why it's very important to work with a good loan officer. But even if you do, I mean, the the process of buying a home, especially in a hot housing market, is just, it's, it's going to take a toll on your emotions. Uh, Amanda Pendleton, Zillow Home Trends expert, says home buying can just be quite emotional. Uh, She said in a statement, when you make an offer on a home, you have likely envisioned your life there. If you lose out on that home to a stronger offer, it can feel like losing a future that you had already started planning. These survey results find even when they are ultimately successful, a large share of buyers in today's competitive market experience heartache and stress. Because even if your offer gets accepted, you're worried, you know, is the loan going to close? You've put down, in a lot of cases, massive amount of earnest money, due diligence, whatever it may be. You're worried you might lose that money. It, it, it's, I can see why it's so stressful. And I would actually argue that the numbers, those numbers are probably a little higher. Older generations may not want to admit that they've cried during the home buying process. But yes, there may not be crying in baseball, but... Unfortunately, there is a lot of crying that is happening right now in housing. But as things normalize, hopefully there will be less of that. And, and here, so here's the good news. Uh, so as we all know, on Thursdays, we always get the latest report from Freddie Mac looking at mortgage rates for the week. And of course, the Mortgage Bankers Association have their own report, but it's one week behind. So they're looking at the week prior and the Mortgage Bankers Association had three weeks of rate declines, and that's exactly what Freddie Mac had. Freddie Mac also, for the third week in a row, says rates have fallen. They have the 30-year fixed priced out at one, or at least falling one basis point to 5.09%, which is up 210 basis points from one year ago. 15-year fixed at 4.32%. This is up 205 basis points from one year ago. And the 5-1 arm, which of course is getting a little bit more usage, but as we saw with the Mortgage Bankers report on Wednesday, that usage rate is actually falling as rates and home prices move up. For the 5-1 arm, Rates were actually down 16 basis points to 4.04%, which is still up 140 basis points from one year ago. But the reason I brought this up is because Sam Cater, Freddie Mac's chief economist, said, get ready for a normal housing market. Oh, that sounds so exhilarating. It's so funny that like a normal housing, you're already seeing it. Like people are saying that, oh no, here comes the crash. Here comes the 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 end of the housing market and people that are actually in the housing market. It's very important to make sure that when you're following and listening to certain economists, make sure they're economists that are actually based in the real estate industry because it was a lot of people, you know, like Robert Schiller and Bill McBride and others 
who actually were in real estate and they were the ones that saw the bubble. And they rightly called that there was a bubble in the mid 2000s. And it was all the other economists that completely missed it. And so it's kind of funny that now you have a situation where most of the real estate economists are like, yeah, things are slowing down, but we're we're going to a more normalized market. And you're hearing panic from other observers. And so it's like, be very careful who you're listening to. And I that's why I try when I'm talking about what economists are saying, I try and look to people who actually are in the industry and know which metrics to look at. And so here you have Sam Cater, once again, Freddie Mac's chief economist, saying heading into the summer, the potential homebuyer pool has shrunk. Supply is on the rise and the housing market is normalizing. This is welcome news following unprecedented market tightness over the last couple of years. I mean, so we're going back to a normal market. We're not going to a crash. We're not going to you know a recession in housing, I should say. It's, it, it, we're going to a normal market. Now, of course, things could change. We could have a recession and something could something could be happening like that happened in 2007 that no one was really paying attention to and it tanks the entire market. I'm not saying it's not possible, but I'm saying the data that we have and assuming all things are equal and let's say we go into a mild recession, which is what a lot of economists are projecting, then the housing market will normalize, will continue its path to normalization. And it's been so long since we've seen a normal housing market that it's it's going to seem like things are worse than they actually are. And here's another example of things sort of normalizing. So for the last couple of years, since we came out of the, the recession and the lockdowns, and we were creating all of these jobs, you know, four or 500,000 jobs created every month. And remember, this even happened before 2020. And it was the ending of 2019. And it was an economists were just amazed that we kept creating hundreds of thousands of jobs. I mean, there was all this talk about, are we at full employment? And you'd think, okay, we're there. And then all of a sudden, 200,000 jobs created, 100,000 jobs created, 500,000 jobs created. And it was like, what? Where are these people coming from? And it was people who left the labor force were getting back into the economy. And arguably, that's what's happening now. I've read a lot of stories about people that retired and inflation's freaking them out. And now they're going back to the workplace. People who had stepped away, obviously, because of the pandemic and shutdowns and their kids' schools being closed, they're coming back into the workplace. But we also know that there are 11.4 million job openings. We have a very, 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 tight labor market. I think it was Bill Dudley on Bloomberg on Wednesday who said this is the tightest labor market he's ever seen. And so the ADP private payroll report came out on Thursday. I know usually it's Wednesday. It was Thursday this month. It'll be Thursday next month. And 128,000 jobs were created. And it was a big miss. Uh, I think the projections were for, I think, 300,000. So it was a big miss. But I'm just amazed that we're continuing to create 128,000 jobs when it looks like we are in the facing the tightest labor market that a lot of people have ever seen. And it's not like, you know, someone like Bill Dudley, it's not like this is his first uh, go around the block. I mean, he's seen a lot of economies, a lot of ebb and flows, and he's like, this is one of the tightest labor markets that he has seen. 
And one of the reasons for the muted numbers in May was actually a big drop in small business employment. So large employers created 122,000 jobs. Mid-sized employers created 97,000 jobs, but small businesses lost 91,000 jobs in May. So kind of an interesting situation with the different industries. And of course, not surprising, the service providing sector created more jobs than the goods producing sector, 104,000 versus 24,000. And the service sector was led by education and health, which created 46,000 jobs, followed by professional business, 23,000, and then leisure and hospitality created 17,000. And in the goods sector, manufacturing had a pretty good month, 22,000 jobs created, followed by natural resources and mining, which created 5,000. And then I don't like to see this because I want to see construction booming. But construction actually lost 2,000 jobs in the month of May, according to the ADP report. Nella Richardson, chief economist at ADP, said job growth has slowed among all the industries, saying job growth rate of hiring has tempered across all industries, while small businesses remain a source of concern as they struggle to keep up with larger firms that have been booming as of late. And, you know, bigger firms, because of the way they buy their products and some of the the pricing power that they have, they can deal with inflation better than, say, a small business. And so inflation is just really wreaking havoc on small businesses. So that's probably impacting them as well. Uh, And before we go, I did want to say it's interesting that, you know, it was a big jobs day. And of course, today's a big jobs day. We got the big monthly jobs report. And I don't know. Does the ADP say anything? The ADP has not been the best indicator as of recent. Remember that one month they had like a 700,000 job correction. (laughs) It was like they said the economy lost 200,000 jobs. And then the next month they're like, no, actually it created 500,000 or 400,000. And you're like, what? How can I believe anything that you put out going forward? So I don't know what that means for today's jobs reports, but we got the ADP numbers. We also got jobless claims and here's what's weird. So we had a, we had a kind of slow month for job creation, but at, the end of the month, this is for the week ending May 28th, jobless claims fell to, to 200,000. So I don't know. And, and that's, of course, a historic kind of low. I mean, it's not a record low. We've, we've seen it drop. I think it was, what was the record? Around 170-some thousand. But I mean, this is just crazy low. A year ago, at this time, there were 385,000 initial claims. So we're 48% lower than where we were a year ago. They fell this week 11,000 to 200,000. Kentucky saw the biggest drop in weekly claims, down 3,500, a little bit over 3,500. Pennsylvania saw a 2,200 job or claim drop. And then Georgia was also down just a little bit under 2,000. So looking at jobless claims, there's just not a lot. (laughs) I mean, we are at a very, very, very low number, and you're not seeing a lot of jobs created, which really just goes to show you that we are just in a tight labor market. There's a lot of job openings, not a lot of jobless claims. That just means everyone that can and wants to be working is working. 
And so we are still facing a tight labor market. And so that's why all this talk about a recession and an economic downturn. Until we see the labor market loosen up, I don't see how that's possible. And, you know, there's some signs when we could start to seeing job growth slowing. Maybe these initial numbers start to jump up and then we move on that pathway. But until we're there, it's hard to see this big economic downturn that a lot of people are calling for. I think it was Jamie Dimon the other day that said something about six to nine months, which, okay, yeah, so we start seeing some evidence of these things happening, the labor market loosening up four or five months. Then it's like, okay, yeah, maybe we are moving in that direction. But as of now, I don't see it. I see signs of a, a slowing housing sector, but I do not see signs the labor market. And we'll see. We'll see what the monthly jobs report says later today. Of course, we'll be talking about it on Monday's podcast. You guys, enjoy your Friday. Enjoy your weekend. And we'll see you back here Monday morning for another edition of Markets and Mortgages. And remember, as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait.